I'm Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. Jesse and I are super excited to share with you episode 51 of The, the Faith Share, where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I are joined by our friend Royce Wilson, pastor at Story Church in Bothell, as we tackle the topic of the church and her future. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. So it is Faith Chair Friday. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name, of course, is Tommy Niblack. I'm the black side of the uh, white and black host of this show. Jesse Parker, the... Um, Maybe I should change my last name. I'm changing my last name to Nee White. <laughs> so I'm Niblack. That's Nee White, Jesse Parker. <laughs> He's the one that's normally in the chair of faith. Can I get an amen? Um, <laughs> amen. But his hair is looking so tight right now, and our guest of honor does not need a haircut. So, no. um, <laughs> so we are Zooming today, and uh, we're joined by our good friend, Pastor, Bishop, Prophet, what's another title? <laughs> Apostle, minister. Yeah, he, he, li- he likes all the titles. Right? He psalmist. Really psalmist. <laughs> psalmist. That's the one. <laughs> psalmist. I'm adding Royce, that one. Right. You got to add that. Royce Wilson, uh, pastor of Story Church up in Bothell. And um, man, it's good to have you on with us today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. I figure uh, Jesse has no idea what he's in for but i think he will i I don't i really don't (laughs) he will realize at some point probably very very near um in the future of this podcast that he has found his long lost brother (laughs) he's gonna Uh, be what he's gonna realize is tommy is not inviting one anyone else to this podcast (laughs) <laughs> That's what he's gonna realize. He's like, you know I cannot. Yeah, you, you better be good, Royce, because he was already on thin ice. Because he keeps scheduling people and they don't show up. So I'm like, look, Tommy, man. Yeah, he's gonna be no more free reign. He cannot be trusted with that kind Can't. of autonomy. Can I'm gonna need? To, I'm gonna need to vet all guests. Yes. And, uh, I need application and right <laughs> background. Yes, all we were it. stalking your Facebook page and it just didn't sit right with our spirit. So it didn't align know. with our I, values. I should I should have stalked your Facebook page. That's what I right, right. Yeah. yeah. I got a question for you, Pastor Boys, before we get into it, because I'm curious. Uh, uh, where did the name Story Church come from? Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I love that question. Story Church. Uh, in the most simple sense, comes from the idea of the gospel is the power of God. So the gospel is euangelion, news Mm -hmm. that brings joy. Mm -hmm. It's a story. And I think we often get so immersed in the historicity, which is great. It happened. It's real. But it's the story is where the power is first encountered and it's first released. And each of us are a story. And so immersing ourselves back in the story of God, immersing ourselves in a narrative reality is much more holistic in our minds um, than some of the systematic approaches or mechanical approaches that uh, it really leaves us wanting at a deep soul level. Uh, So we encourage everyone to live a greater story. God's called us all to live a greater story. So what is that? 
Each of us are stories. We are lost because we are out of context and we are trying to find meaning on our own when meaning is available the moment we get plugged back into the original context of the story that God was telling through our lives. So it allows us, it's just another metaphor for the gospel. I should have said that to get quick, but I got happy. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. He got real happy. He got real happy. Royce, (laughs) so uh, I'm just going to do a quick introduction uh, and then you can take it from there and then we'll get into uh, the topic for today. Royce uh, is from Texas, and um, this is this is not a Zoom where he is in Texas. He's in another time zone. No, he now lives in Washington, but he's from Texas. And um, yes, he's the pastor of uh, Story Church up there in Bothell. But as you can see in the background, those ropes um, and the helmet, the gloves, <laughs> this guy climbs mountains. That is his thing. And you've summited Rainier a couple yes. times, eh? Uh, once. I've summited Rainier once, yes. But uh, I've had a couple on the books to do since that just fell through due to several different factors. But, yeah, I'll, I will get right. it again for sure. One of those mountains had co- uh, COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> had to cancel. Yeah. yeah. We, were, uh, we, were, <laughs> we in that mountain were social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> so just real quickly tell us a little bit more um, about yourself um how you became pastor here um story church and all that good stuff um yeah from texas originally uh i've been in full t- i'm 46 i've been in full-time ministry since i was 19 what who in the world employed me it was it was somebody I think it was really close to Tommy. They just gave me a shot, you know what I mean, <laughs> kind of like on this on this podcast. But um, oh, yeah, I've been in full time ministry <laughs> for a while, and um, small church in uh, the southeast Texas part of of Texas, the southeast portion of Texas, and uh, I traveled for almost seventeen years, church to church, all around the country, some international as a well, it was called evangelist uh, at the time. That was just kind of the placeholder. I but really, that I was, title. yeah, yeah, just a mobile ministry. And a lot of times, what I was doing was troubleshooting spiritual issues in churches and seeing if we couldn't help get alignment, um, plumbing, spiritual plumbing, <laughs> spiritual electrical work. Uh, yeah. What's keeping the lights from coming on? What's keeping the flow from happening? So that was really my heart, and. Um, I had never really, uh, I had never pastored in any official capacity. Uh, and then this door came open. I'm trying to summarize it as quickly. It's a really neat story, uh, probably for another time. But I came here to this church, which was uh, struggling at the time, uh, significantly struggling, and was just as that guest speaker for them. Had no thoughts of what it would be like to pastor here. It wasn't in my mind. Right. I went home. I'm summarizing really quickly. A month had gone back. I hadn't even spoken to this pastor or anyone from this church. Woke up in the middle of the night. It was maybe 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., somewhere in there. And it's like as if I woke up from a dream that I couldn't remember, but I had this understanding that I was going to pastor that church. Hmm. And that is where I was supposed to be. It's where I would, my life work would actually happen. Uh, Very strange. And I'm like, 
okay. Uh, wow. And I'm trying to shake the cobwebs out of my mind. Right. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not starting this conversation, God, if this is really your will, then you're going to have to. And it's like, I got that. So I went back to bed and my phone was ringing at 8 AM, uh, the next morning that few hours later. And it was the pastor, um, from the church. And it was really crazy. He's like, Hey man, I know we haven't talked in a month and we really enjoyed you being here, but, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like, All right. Would you ever consider potentially coming here and pastoring this church? I'm like, you would be surprised. <laughs> yeah, it, it was phenomenal. And, um, so I came under the idea that what I really felt God wanted to do is we needed to end what had been. This is not typical or conventional right. at all. Right. But it was it its days were numbered. I'm um, I'm sure that the church could not even have financially lasted another 12 months uh if something didn't drastically shift. Yeah. And um we came into the most impossible situation ever to launch, relaunch, reinvent whatever word you want to call it. Uh, so we were elected by roughly 20 ish to th maybe 30 max people. And the idea is that when it's healthy, when the time is right, we will relaunch. Well, that okay. went five years um, before we wow. relaunch. And we relaunched as Story Church and haven't looked back. But wow. I don't recommend my process to anyone. I won't write books about <laughs> it. I'll tell my story, but I don't recommend it. Wow. This is not the fun way. No, it's not. But it's often God's way, isn't it? You know, right. it's I was just going to say that I I don't think uh Jesus would have um would have steered you a different way because that is actually the same road he took when he was sent. Well, when his time had come, um and like it wasn't easy. It's always a re it's always a deconstruction and a reconstruction. Um, and, and I'll add that he was deconstructing me Yeah. in the process. Yeah. There's so much, not that it, I don't want to, please, no one misunderstand me. It isn't about me. For sure. It's about his work. Right. But if we don't realize that sometimes the woman, the man, the individual in the work may be one of God's primary priorities. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, deconstructing me uh, so that I may be more fluid and flexible and willing That's and awesome. ready to step into his his work. Um, and I accept that. I mean, if the greatest thing that comes out of whatever he's doing here is that I'm more like Jesus, yeah, then I feel like, you know, Hey, I want to reach as many people as I can with Jesus. But, uh, if I get, if I get reached with Jesus, then I think that, Listen, that really matters. <laughs> I, that now that's missed a lot. I feel like a lot of, um, church leaders miss the fact that, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to lead them to Jesus and get get them to understand how desperately they need him. But that's the same. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat and I need him just as desperately as they do. And I want him to change me just as much as I want him to change them. That's awesome. A quick comment on that is, is I learned in the troubleshooting ministry that I had that, uh, a lot of pastors, wives, ministry leaders, worship leaders, youth leaders were in a bad way. And it is not judgment. It is absolute concern and love. And I've been in the trenches with them. And, and so it was that unique flow of ministry or, or I 
um, resume of ministry that flowed that way brought a stark awareness that um, it is, it is, you can go after winning the whole world that Paul says and right. you can lose your own soul. For sure. He wouldn't have said that if it wasn't possible. That's right. And far too many leaders, and I know I, I just get real, okay? There were so many ministry heroes, not everyone, but too many. And I'm going to say it's upwards of 90% of meeting every one of my heroes who I just, oh my goodness, they touched my life, changed my life. I right, met right. them, hung out with them, or spent, or got to preach for them. And I was, wow, was I really, really um, disappointed. I don't know. I was going to say, I was going to say it disappointed. Cause that's, that's the word. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of, that's a great segue into what um, I was wanting to talk about. And it's something that Jesse and I have been, been talking about um, the current state, not just of the country, but the church that is in this country, the mm-hmm. big C church in this country and, and it's offshoots, you know, what, what have you been noticing? Um, what has God been showing you? What has he been making clear to you um, during this time of quarantine, from, from quarantine to now? Well, um, I would say in general, I have been calling COVID-19 the great revealer. It's revealing social needs. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are many things that... And I, Please let me explain if I don't make sense. But Tommy, you and I have talked at length. Um, There are many things that are unresolved, directly institutionalized or perpetuated issues from a white Christianity. And that's just the social injustice area. But there are others, okay, Mm -hmm. that are fundamentally, they fall at the feet of the church Mm -hmm. for her not being the representation and the ambassador and the, let me go all the way back to the cry of God's heart from Mount Sinai. This is before there was a tablet of law. Mm -hmm. He said, I want you to be a kingdom of priests and God's people back away from the mountain. This is human nature to avoid God's fundamental idea of mission. Yeah. That's why the church is so aligned with, potentially either Republicanism in large swaths of this country, but sometimes it also aligns with Democratic uh, parties. And what I'm saying is not that there aren't vital issues on both sides. It's that a kingdom of priests are their own party. Right. (laughs) It's not a donkey or an elephant. It's a slain lamb. Right. And we need to be the party of a slain lamb. And It's not that we are aloof from the issues, but that we approach it from a completely different perspective that, uh, yeah, it's just transcendent. So COVID is revealing that there are unresolved and I believe unredeemed things that the church needs to address. Mm -hmm. I heard Greg Boyd say it first, so it's not original with me. He's a pastor who I deeply admire in the St. Paul, Minnesota area. Mm -hmm. Shortly after George Floyd's tragic passing, he just said, we wouldn't have these issues if the church had been the church right. 400 years ago. Right. And so right. I'm just using that one because it's provocative. I know we've talked about it and we still need to keep talking about it. But I just say that we are seeing a revelation through many, many ways of where God wants to align his people back mm-hmm. to his heart. Mm-hmm. And we often are worshiping the wrong thing. So, Tommy, one more, uh, Jesse, one more thing. 
I am noticing because I'm from the South. So I hear a lot of the echoes of my Southern brothers and sisters and my family back there. Yeah. Christianity in North America is acting as if it doesn't know how to connect with God. If it isn't in a large, highly polished, thoroughly produced worship gathering on Sunday between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Sir. Mm. Uh, Sir. What? Are, what? I can, if I can just rant it out for a second, it's like all these poor Christians for nearly 300 years who turned the world upside down. That's in our Bible. And that's, and, a, and no pun intended, you meant to say poor. You, you, you meant to say poor. Yeah. Because it wasn't, they, they were, were not striving. They were poor and they were not striving for anything yeah. other than, they didn't know there was anything else. Yeah. yeah, and then those terribly poor first first century Christians who didn't mm-hmm. even have a completed New Testament. Right. Right. <laughs> they, did, they would use the Old Testament and got more Jesus out of the Old Testament than Christians are currently getting out of the New. Yeah, I take it. I take it a step further, Pastor Royce. I don't. They're not acting like it. They don't know. They don't. And, right. and that, that falls on. That falls on us. Yes, sir. Like we have to look at we have to look at the church leadership, the pastors, the fivefold ministry, and say we have failed. Yes, we have created a brand of Christianity, and now, as you said, I love it because we've heard the same thing echoed from so many pastors that this has been a year, not just COVID, but this has been a year of revealing. Yes, and and that's definitely one of the things that it has revealed is that that we as a church in North America uh, do not have even some of the basic tenants, foundational abilities, skills, whatever you want to call it, of just having a relationship with God outside of, like you said, our very programmatized, polished, uh, uh, you know, you know, I mean, you said nine to 11, most churches are not even doing anywhere close to two hours. Like you're 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. Like that's, Super that's, polished. The, that's the extent of it. Right. And uh, that is, that is certainly uh, rung true this year. And, uh, yeah, and it's just, I keyed on that word and I'm like, they ain't, they ain't acting. It's, it's a real, and that's what was revealed for me. It's just like, look, we're seeing the state of true discipleship in the North American church. It looks like uh, I'm reminded of how the disciples responded to Jesus in the boat when he calmed the storm and they looked at each other and they asked each other, who is this? Who, who is this? And he was right in front of them. Mm Mm-hmm. We just have a lot of the letters of people who experience life with him. And then we have accepted him into our hearts, but still, and into our lives, but still, we have a lot of us don't know who he is, what he came to do. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's the exact same thing. He's here. We still don't know him. The ones that's if if we think for a minute and we get so hung up and Jesse, I appreciate. I just wanted to say that nine and eleven between nine and eleven was a little bit of a wink over the <laughs> uh, the the span of time in which right. statistics tell us that we could have a good gathering. Ten thirty. So as long as it starts somewhere between that time, right. that was a. I should have said it better. But the the other thing that we need to realize is that the people who camped beside Jesus potentially heard him snore or purr. Right, right, right. Not, we don't want to, you know. <laughs> they, they, they were that close to him. And right. when it came time to say, 
who do men say I, the son of man am, then who do you say? Right. The words were right. I'm, I'm going King James. <laughs> Thou right. art the Christ. You are the Christ. Right. Jesus did not say you are incorrect. Mm-hmm. He said, you are actually right on the money. Your words are right, but I need to caution you. Your heart potentially can be wrong with the right words. Mm-hmm. I am the Christ. And he says, your dad, I'm going to say it different than how it's actually word order, but get the right. same point across. Your dad is not where your words just came from. My dad. Right. And there's going to be a difference because if you are interpreting your words from your dad, you're going to think I'm Moses 2.0. Right. And I'm going to use domination and force. I'm going to be a physical leader. But if you're actually tuning in to my dad's channel, he's saying the same thing, but he has a different picture of what a Christ or Messiah actually is. And I said all of that to say that Jesus camped for three and a half years with a group of individuals who didn't have good theology. They did not. We need to, but I mean, the point is that he can turn the world upside down. Say that again. Yeah. Say that again. I, I missed it. Yeah. I was, I was just saying, I, I love the fact that you said that because literally just last night in, uh, in our Bible study, we're in first Corinthians and we just got to chapter 13 and we are talking about how like the whole point of that chapter is really that, that difference in the standard for God. Like you can do, cause I, I, right at the beginning of the chapter, I was like, have you ever just stopped and, stopped and thought about what, how the church would treat the Christian who was able to do all those things? Right. Like that's the superstar, like, New York Times bestseller on all the TV networks. Everybody would love this guy, but if you don't have love, right? And the whole the point we we pulled out of that was exactly what you said, Pastor Royce, is you can do right without a right heart. That's right. But with yes. a right, with if you have a right heart, you're going to do right naturally, right? But we can fake the external stuff. We can fake the activity without actually having a right heart in God. I mean, that's the point of that scripture is one of the foundational scriptures for, for ministry for me is, is I, they'll come before him and say, we cast out demons and we heal the sick of your name. And he's going to say, I didn't know you. Yes. It's not about what I do if my right. heart's not right. 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 And I think that's what we're seeing is we, we've created in North America, we've created a church of doing, of external activity, but we haven't been addressing the heart. We haven't truly yeah. been discipling people. People haven't actually been developing a real relationship with God because otherwise what we've seen through COVID and through all of the mess of 2020, it wouldn't have come. That can't come out of the right heart. That can only come out of a wrong heart that's been ten- pretending to do right action. Right? What, are, what are some of the heart issues that you've seen that need to be changed? Like just some things we could just call out and list right now. The things that people are saying the right things, but their heart is actually wrong. Mm, uh, for me, question for me, both of you guys. Okay. Uh, I would just say that there is through this. And I think Jesse just hit on it. Uh, and even in his example, there is an elitism that goes all the way into our nationalism and our Americanism. And it is an invisible, destructive, deceptive. Let's get real biblical. It's 11. It's a year. That's right. This elitism has trickled, and then a lot of, and I'm just going to be honest, but they are so-called Christians. And if I may, I pause that for a second and say it was Dallas Willard, who I believe said it best, in saying, how in the world did we get to a world where someone could be a Christian 
and not be a follower of Jesus. That is fundamentally the problem. We have a lot of Christians in this title. Absolutely. They associate with their preferred worldview. Actually, they are accessorizing with Jesus, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. decorating their already pretty perfect life with some Christian paraphernalia. That's right. That is not following. Okay. Coming back to the elitism, Jesus will not tolerate elitism if he is our rabbi. That's right. He's our leader. If he's our father, there's nothing in the teaching of Jesus, but the enemy. And and I I just hope that whoever's listening to this, please listen to this because I believe it's a revelation God's wanting us to hear. The first place where the serpent hisses in our ear to distort the good works of God because we may be on the right track. That's what mm-hmm. he is. He's a distorter. He comes and he's like, uh-oh, these guys, oh, they're doing really good. Right. How can I derail the amazing kingdom work that's happening? You know he'll, how he'll do it? He begins to whisper variations of self-service. That's right. Elitism, prospering self. He'll whisper it. This is what he's doing in the gar- in the uh, in the desert with G- with Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's like, you've been you've been hungry for forty days. Why don't you just use a little power That's and right. turn those rocks into bread? And Jesus is like, you better step back. I'm not going to make this about me. That's right. <laughs> it was a fundamental. I know I'm taking a little long, but just it was a fundamental temptation not only to eat in that moment, but how easy would it be then to start using food as a platform? to ensure loyalty to his ministry and then justify it by the overall result of this is good. And we'll guarantee that people will come to Jesus's services and his rallies and we'll turn rocks into bread. This is wow. all satanic, right? Satanic because it creates elitism because guess what? You create this hierarchy, this mm-hmm. higher up, and they're the ones who make the bread. And they're the ones who should be, and that's where Satan begins to distort us. And so there's just too much of the elitism, and we call it celebrity worship, we can call it whatever. I'm all for voices being heard and us serving and blessing and loving one another. We better watch out for that snake that's speaking elitist propaganda to the kingdom of God. That's one of the ways that, man, we need to repent of that stuff. The self-service. The self-service. That's crazy. Yeah. But you use good. See, that's how the snake works. Uh, You guys need to worship me. And if you'll worship me, Royce, we'll get the word out. We'll help a lot of people. Right. You see, justifying it. And Jesus doesn't need Royce to be worshiped for his kingdom to go forward. Right. And that we've got to be really, and I'm saying we need to get overly sensitive. I don't, I don't mean a, a negative or self-worth complex, but we need to get very sensitive about these areas yeah. um, of elitism within the church. It's just not Christ on any level. I and love it. it. it goes, you know, it cuts both ways too. Like uh, we talk about this a lot. It's human nature. We, our human nature wants to categorize things and separate things and create lists and hierarchies. Like, that gives us comfort because we right. understand the chain of command. We understand how things are supposed to work. We right. understand if we're checking off the boxes and we're doing good or if we're doing like, so we like all of that kind of yes. stuff and it. And it's permeated the church in, in quote unquote positive ways. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's actually bad, but I'm going to say positive in the sense that we use the hierarchy to elevate people. Yeah. But at the same time, we've also done that 
and we and we see it in the we see it especially in the political sphere right now, right? Where we've made a hierarchy of sin too, and the church has decided these are the sins that we won't accept, but we're 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 okay with these ones. Like right. we can tolerate these ones as long as we take care of those ones. Right. And the only way we're able to justify that in the face of Christ is because we've created this false hierarchy. Like these sins are worse than these sins, and, mm-hmm. and, and God doesn't say that. Sin is sin. Falling short of the the the, the standard of Christ is falling short. Like it, there's no, you know, you lie, you steal a pack of gum, you murder five thousand people. Right. All three, you're going to hell. Right. He, so we've created this hierarchy to allow us to make sense of our. our I'd use the word prostitution Amen. of the church in the political Amen. sphere. Like I'm, I'm connecting myself with things that I'm not supposed to connect myself with right. uh, for the sake of what I've justified is, is a positive gain. Yeah. We're going to get rid of this sin, but we're tolerating and even joining ourselves to how many sins to accomplish that one. And yes. the only reason we do that is because we've made some of them so big and then we've diminished the others and that's allowed unrighteousness creep into the church the end justifies the means to the vast majority of believers now in north america so we can prostitute ourselves for earthly power because i don't know if you guys are lord of the ring fans but man this is at the heart of tolkien i'm using ring again tolkien says you look at all the characters just in the movies it's so perfectly done it's like oh oh give me that give me that power oh I'll use it for good. And right. this, he did a masterful job of explaining the temptation of power. And the early church, I go back to it, they went 300 years. They had no cathedrals. They had no buildings. They were not enmeshed with the Roman government. They were that independent, separate kingdom. But when Constantine decided that he was going to be a Christian, Although, wink, wink, check church history. He doesn't get baptized until a few weeks or maybe a month or so before his death. He he doesn't even fully go all the way through with his Christianity. That changed the church historically because she got a taste of empire. Yeah. And the church, there have been beautiful movements, beautiful manifestations. So please do not misunderstand me but too much of Christianity got a taste for empire and she hasn't let go of it. She hasn't let go. And and there is a lot of empire loving quote air quote Christians who see it as the good that can be done with the one ring of power, right? Plus power in North America. And if you go back and compare this thought to Jesus, he could have done all of that. (laughs) That's what they were looking for. That's what they were hoping for. Right. Yeah, right. I, I tell people, I'm like, you, you froze as well. That can be just as informative because all the stuff we talk about is in our society today was in Roman society back then. It sure he was. He never once addressed it. He never once even spoke to the existing That's power right. structures of Rome. He spoke to the Jews, the people of God, the ones who were supposed to be his people. And that's, that's right. we should be echoing that the same today. We don't need to talk to American government. We don't need to talk to the world. We don't need to talk to unbelievers. We need to talk right. to the, those who have said that they declare that God is that's right. King and Christ is Savior, right? Preach. That yeah, is a hundred percent, a hundred percent right. 
I don't want to derail it. I just want to say this. There was abortion in Rome. Yeah. Like, not a little bit. A lot of it. Yeah. And some of the early church fathers reference it, but no one is talking about it like you hear these platforms. Nobody was. Because then it was about, they were, they got first-hand modeling of living and loving sacrificially. That's it. It has been so diluted, and, and one of you guys said it earlier. It, the message of the gospel has been diluted. Yes. And the thing that's come to the top is that elitism. Yes. Is that, thir- is that thirst for power. And, and instead, um, we are not living and loving sacrificially. We, yes. we love doing for ourselves. We love making our names great. We love building our own kingdom. Um, and I, I feel like, and for anybody who's, who might be listening or watching now, I don't want you to believe the lie. And Jesse and I have had to say this before, but I feel like we need to say it again. Sure. I don't want you to believe the lie that we don't love God's idea of the church. It's his, he created the church. He created it. And I don't want you to think that we're bashing it and we don't love it. We love it, which is why we're talking. We're having the conversation. We're yeah. starting the conversation hopeful, in hopes that you too will also have the conversation with some of the, uh, the folks that you do life with um, because we can no longer ignore no. what is happening no. right now. Tommy, could I just add a, a little extra? Because yeah. I love what you said and totally agree. And to our wonderful audience out there, whoever may be listening, we love God's idea of the church. Now, here's yeah. my question we can assume that what we've been doing for me, I'm 46. I've been in the church to some degree my whole life. I know exactly what you're about to say. (laughs) You know what I'm going. I have an idea of what church has been, but is that God's idea or is God still having to stoop and accommodate man's traditions? Because God's idea of church, if you really want to see it, let's go all the way back to the beginning. That's right. And every time I bring, I'm talking about pastors, scholars, many scholars will go with me because that's their world, right? But people who have a degree of success in the way it has been will be the champions of maintaining that mediocrity because that's where there's success. And that tells me that's why elitism is hiding in there because we don't want to look at how could we be more authentic and what if more authenticity actually is going to serve the gospel? That elitism is that I I can't tell you the conversations I've had over the decades to where it's like, Royce, I see what you're saying and I can't, I can't deny it, but, uh, right. (laughs) I just, I've got a platform. And again, it's not hating. It's that how serious are we to let God's church be God's church, be God's. And we're in a pandemic. Right. And listen, because this is so difficult for Christians to really wrestle with because they're used to worshiping in tradition a certain way. Sir. It's so difficult for them that I have heard more of them turn to conspiracy theories as if the church is directly under attack. This is the end time prophecies that we've been hearing about. And again, it's not to mock that. It's that we would rather go there because it alleviates the responsibility to potentially repent 
from worshiping, worshiping as doctrines, commandments of men. You might have to say that again, because I don't think people, <laughs> it, it alleviates the responsibility that yeah. we have. Yes, to repent That's and right. say, are you doing a new thing, God? Mm-hmm. If, if someone's listening, you're having a hard time with anything we're saying. I love you. And I yeah. love the church and I will give my life for the church, but I would rather give my life for where God's presence is at right now. Yeah. Not a structure that represents where God used to be. What, what is, so just in these past few months, what has the, what is the church given up on? Like, because of fear of men, um, I'm reminded of um, Saul going to Samuel. And telling him, hey, I thought, I thought I came here and told you that God wanted you to kill everybody. Mm. But I hear sheep in the background. What's going on? Later on in that scripture, he asked him again. And the king said, well, I was afraid of the people and what they would do. Um, so out of fear of what people would say, what are some of the issues that church leaders have just tried to avoid during this, during this time? Mm. Well, and I would love to also just Saul's justification was I feared the people, but I also felt like we could offer these. We could offer it to God. Right. See, give it an offering. No, actually, he said to your God. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. To your God. He never claimed him as as his own. So there's the danger right there is that when this becomes a career or a career facade, and I'm talking about ministry leaders, a heart can get hollowed out mm. to where it isn't even authentically, deeply who you are anymore. Wow. It's, it's a way of living and surviving. Wow. So that's where Saul was. Saul didn't have that personal relationship. Yeah. So in his mind, it becomes, because to Saul, it's maintaining position. That's right. And maintaining face, which is just simply put, how do I hold on to the benefits of my current elite of my kingship? Right. There you go. And so it's like, well, I don't think Samuel meant do everything because we could do these. We could offer sacrifice this and notice everything is about looks good. Right. So Tommy, I'm going to answer your question and get it, get out of here, get out of this thought really quick, but just saying much of what's being ignored is because we are trying to play to a base of expectation. Woo. And what now here it is, whatever that base might ruffle them, worry them, concern them, may disperse them to other churches or congregations, mm-hmm. may reduce their monthly income especially during COVID. Right. I think I'm then we're going to protect that but we'll use all of the high altitude scripture right. that justifies it in a different way. But it's all go back to what's the heart. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like um, from my experience, the church is not wanting to enter into When I said this uh, months ago after George Floyd's passing, that I believe it is the church's responsibility and particularly white Christians responsibility to heal racism in our country yeah. because it was on the church's watch yeah. where these things went wrong. And man, there is this, there is this uh, deception and illusion of, well, oh, I didn't live 400 years ago. I didn't do it. Right. And I repent 
here publicly, I have said that decades ago because I was just unaware and mm-hmm. uninformed and I didn't want someone else putting guilt on me. Yeah. As I've come to know Jesus. Oh, That's good. That's good. Man, it is the responsibility of Christ's body to heal the wounds caused by so-called Christ's body. Man. And and I just believe that this is an area where we we do have to look at this and be a part of the solution um, instead of ignoring it. Wow. And I think I think one thing that has been really interesting this time is 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 this that God is clearly He's clearly calling out a wake up call for the church. Yes. Like it, it, you, you can't be a believer and see something like a virus come along that literally shuts down churches we know it for how many months and not think that God is trying to get our attention about something. And it's really interesting, you know, Tommy, you asked, what, what have we been missing? And, and we've talked about this, we've got a whole podcast about this, but I think the biggest thing is you just keep hearing this echo of we want to get back to normal, we want to get back to normal. And that means that we're completely missing or just straight up ignoring out of fear or whatever. Uh, The God is calling something out. Obviously, going back to normal is not what he wanted. Otherwise, he never would have interrupted our normal, right? Right. It was interesting. I was talking to a pastor uh, recently, and and he said he he, he recognized all that. And he said he's been praying and asking God, okay, God, what – if we're supposed to change, I need you to show me what that change looks like. And he's been struggling to kind of find that. But he said something very telling to me. He said, um, uh, he said, pray for me that when he does show me, that I'll have the courage to actually do it. For sure. And I think that's, that's the other side. I think there's leaders for and sure. pastors right now who are fully aware of the fact that God is calling them to do something outside the box calling them to, to restructure what their ministry looks like, yeah. what their church looks like, what their discipleship looks yes. like, what their youth ministry and children's ministry looks like. And yet they're sitting in offices and going to board meetings and talking about budgets, and they're afraid to make the change. Right. They're afraid to make the change because people aren't going to like it. They're afraid that they're going to lose leaders. They're afraid that they're going to lose tithers. Uh, they're afraid of all these different things. And the question that has been broiling in me throughout the pandemic is, what happened to our faith in God? Yes. Like what happened to the, is the scripture, all those promises that we like to use in the prosperity gospel, all of those promises are predicated upon our obedience to God. We love it. And so if he's, if he's telling you to do something, do it and trust that he's going to take care of the rest of it. Right. And Pastor Roy, you can, I know you can speak to that because I, what you went through coming into a struggling church, you know, my wife and I were at a church like that. So a while ago, we weren't the lead pastors, and unfortunately, we, it wasn't able to overcome overcome the hump. It had to close, right? So I, I know what that struggle looks like. Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like, right? And you, but when you're in that, you can't be afraid of making decisions that are going to to further, you know, affect your bottom line or your budget or whatever. Because yeah. if God's saying to do it, then God's gonna. It's that same old thing, right? If he if he makes the what what is it? It rhymes. I can't remember what the. Uh, if he is, if he, oh God! If if, if he gives uh, a vision, he's he provides provision. That's yeah. not the one yeah. I'm thinking of, but it means the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, Where God guides, He our, provides. What happened to our faith in God? And I think it yeah. goes back to something even more farther back into the core of our Christianity in North America, and that is that long ago we took God's power out of the gospel too. Because we've made evangelism and reaching people about, like you said, Pastor Royce, right at the beginning, about programs 
and about execution and about basically about all the stuff that we can do. Yeah. And, oh, you guys want to learn how to evangelize? Here's a 10-step program. Yes. Here's, here's a step-by-step. Like, we think we can program it all. And we've – it's like, what happened to us trust, trusting that God can change people's hearts and minds? What, what, happened, what happened to that? Like, where, where did that go? We, yes, we, I, I think we, in ministry, as leaders and therefore the church, we have strayed away from God's power. Yeah. And we've been doing it for way too long just in our power. Man, okay. Uh, uh, that's so good, bro. I just like, amen. Uh, I just want to say amen. And, and to our to our awesome audience, just to know where my heart and our hearts coming from on this, God's original idea. So I'm going back to Sinai. I'm going back mm-hmm. to the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. That was what the blueprint, God never gave a blueprint for the temple. Never did. That was David's idea to honor God because David had an awesome house. Mm-hmm. And he's like, God, you ought to have an awesome house. The Lord's like, I'd rather camp. Right. That was my idea. So Why? I could be mobile. Because mobile. So right. the heart of the mobility of God is, and Jesse, man, it just lit me up when you were talking, bro. God wants us to hear from heaven, see the presence of God, and then have mobile structures That's that right. are erected that serve where the presence is working in that moment. Hmm. can be collapsed, then we move to where God's moved. And so the 10 things and, and uh, systems and structures, I just want everyone to know those programs could be the most cutting edge breath of heaven. They could also be death incarnate. Mm-hmm. And the only difference is where is the cloud? Yeah. Where is the cloud? And what we often, and Tommy, if I can just hearken back really quick and connect this comment with my amen to Jesse and back to what are we missing mm-hmm. is what is God doing? Yes. What is God saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we worship in a temple mentality, we will keep our structures and systems that were built when God said do that. And we will assume because there's so much money and time and energy invested in keeping that thing up, we will assume that this is the good God would right. have us do. Right. But God may be yeah. calling us to tear it down mm-hmm. and yeah. get light and get a backpack again. And so I want everyone to know systems and <laughs> structures, they do not precede the spirit. They succeed it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they must always, they are only official so long as they support and serve what the cloud, the Holy Spirit, right. God is doing right now. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. but that has been a huge challenge for me, even within our own, um, our own congregation at times coaching that because we have a human nature. And I think Jesse and you, Tommy, both we've alluded, you, you guys both have alluded to the human nature of we want to gravitate to pain free yeah. mediocrity. We want to yeah. just secure comfort. That's it. So yeah. I want to ask, what is, what has it been like for you? you? You just mentioned a little bit, but what has it been like for you in this realization now having to share it to the people that God has entrusted you to, your family, but they've probably been hearing this, um, but I'm to the weird, folks coming. You know, I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I want to make this disclaimer. My heart, I have wept. I have travailed. I have prayed for the people who are suffering through COVID-19. Yeah. I am not minimizing that discomfort and this disruption. 
Okay. So I'm, I'm telling you, I am, if you have been adversely affected, I am sorry for that. And I'm praying God's blessings, but more importantly, not for you to get back to what you are yearning for and predictability, comfort, and convenience, but rather where is the cloud leading you? Cause you're going to actually like it way better than where you've been. If you'll just be led into that. And if you want his glory, yes, if you want his glory, you'll like it. Cause if God's camping, we're camping. Right. And if the Lord's traveling, we're traveling. traveling. And it's like, I've used this illustration before. Can you imagine getting all your breakfast done? And it's like, where's the cloud? It's like, Oh, it's, it's, it's good. It's like, all right, you getting your coffee poured and all that. And it's like, the clouds moving. (laughs) It's like, Oh man, we gotta go now. We gotta go. (laughs) I haven't even had my coffee. It's like, you better get a breakfast burrito. We're packing. Right. 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 Go, you know, so, I love it. Where did that go? That's it. We just discovered where the breakfast burrito came from. <laughs> right. It was that much. Casseroles. were invented by the Hebrews. They just throw it all in the thing and we'll take it with Wrap it. Wrap it. I, I have been, so with that disclaimer, I'll say very simply, and I am not anything special. I just know that my timeline and my story with God, I feel like I have been aching and Mm. yearning, waiting for the help of the Lord to break down the crust and the tradition to open the heart again. It was 15 years ago the Lord spoke to me, 15 He said, I've actually called you, Royce, to start a church or lead a church, a first century church in a 21st century reality. Wow. That has always been my heart. It's always been, but it's been next to impossible to to work or at least get people to question the structures or the traditional systemic programs. And we just worship that, that security. And I go back, Jesse just bombed it and said, Bomb, that's a good bomb. He said, yeah. <laughs> uh, faith, where's our faith? Are we really people of faith? And we think faith just applies at the end of a well-scripted sermon, um, and we make a mental assent to the person of Jesus. I think it's really cool, but like, if it's, if it's not the whole package of what it means to walk yeah. with Jesus, I think I read the story wrong or something. It's, yeah. It is the difference, like you, like you mentioned earlier, the difference between being a Christian and a Christ follower. The Christian wants the comfort. The Christ follower is is got burritos ready because <laughs> they're, they're ready to go. I'm like the latest polls still show that 65 percent of Americans uh, claim to be Christian, and I'm like, there's there's no way. Look around our country. There's no way that 65 percent of Americans are actual disciples of Christ. And so right. I always tell, I tell people, I'm like, you know, from the moment that Rome accepted Christianity and we right. became a governmental entity mm-hmm. was then spread to Europe and, and history tells us all the mess that the church has been engaged in ever since that moment. That's right. Right? There was they never changed. That was lost there. Right. They never changed the, the there was structure. That was lost. That was not a transaction the church mm-hmm. should have been excited to make. Right. No. Right. The empire destroyed the overall yeah. purity That's of, right. the mission of what the church had been for nearly 300 years. Because the person yeah. that instituted it was a king, was rich. Yes. And he wanted to yeah. keep his, yeah. he wanted to keep his power. And, um, it, it and that's, it started. Well, from the point that it became socially accepted, 
Yeah. yeah. At the point that it became socially accepted because it was a part of the government and the ruling structure now, you, what you began to see is what we see today. Right. You have ethnically Jewish people and you have Jews. Right. We have ethnically Christian people in North America. Right. Yes. And then we have disciples of Christ. That's right. right. Because there's a whole bunch of Jewish people in the world who don't follow Judaism. That's right. They're exactly. ethnically Jewish because the people group, the Jews, have been around so long that it is now an ethnicity. It's not right. just a religious faith. Right. And, and Christianity is the same way because we became embedded into the governmental and social structures of Europe and then North America, South America, and around much of the world. You now have an ethnicity of Christianity where you say, oh, my bloodline. Right. right. Right, everyone in my family going back so 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 long with has been Christian, or and then you have people who are actually following right in in close discipleship and relationship Christ, and there's a difference between the two. If you're from down south, you're automatically probably the yeah, large right? the right. large the large majority of that number is probably from like yeah. Texas, and, Louisiana, that, Georgia, Florida, that in like the, <laughs> the Barnum polls and stuff because yeah. there's a big difference in percentages yeah. between people who who claim Christianity and people who regularly attend church. And of course, we know that doesn't mean you're a disciple either. Absolutely. But even those numbers are really far. So then if you're like, okay, now we want to talk about actual disciples. Right. I mean, who, we don't know what, no, you know, none of us know what the actual percentage is. But but I have a feeling it's something in the range of, uh, the Bible calls it a remnant. A, a remnant. Right. <laughs> in narrow, Man, narrow. If we're lucky, it might be a tie. <laughs> it might be 10%. I don't know. But I mean, that's, that's the reality that we are dealing with. And, right. and we're really seeing it this year and in American and in our politics is like Whew. this Whew. dichotomy between disciples of Christ and those who probably wear the title ethnicity, if you want to call it that, of, of Christian, of right. Christian, right? And, and if I was going to be a prognosticator and like look towards the future, and, you know, Tommy, you and I have talked about this. And I, I think we may have mentioned it briefly on the podcast, too. One of the things I think God is doing in this season is he's preparing us for the inevitable eventuality, yeah. which isn't that far. It's been discussed for a while now, and I think we're getting closer there, especially if the church continues to associate itself so strongly with one political party to, cre- to, to spark the ire of the other side when they come into power. Yeah. Is that at some point we are going to lose our 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 five hundred one c three status? Oh, that yeah. And when that happens, there is a huge percentage of the church that's going to have to close its doors. They will not right. be able to afford, and buildings are going to go away. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see, like you said, Pastor. I think that's a great. Pick. I never thought of it like that. Like in the building of the the building, and our what's clearly been uh, illuminated in this season in some ways our idolatry of our facilities hundred percent has taken away our the flexibility to obey God. Right. I actually just preached this, this last Sunday. I, I talked about how we have to have ears to hear and eyes to see and the Bible says which creates in you a uh, responsive heart. Yes. That means action. We're, we're not able to action. have a responsive heart right. because we we build ourselves down and we what we actually become is is we're pouring that foundation for a church building, our hearts are actually hardening. Sir. Because, because now we're not able to be flexible and, and obey God. Anymore. Sir. That idol demands a sacrifice. 
Oh, come that on, idol. Man. That idol to me. Yes. Preaching, yes. <laughs> listen, listen, because I know how I know how we do when we hear something that provokes our tradition. Our first response is to justify it. And and you gotta wow. hear me. The Lord will use a building, but you gotta ask yourself, is that what the cloud wants to do, or is it a concession that God makes to meet us there because he loves us so much? Yeah. It's yeah. mostly been yeah. the concession. Especially, especially when we consider the, the obscene percentage of kingdom resources that get put into buildings. That's where I was going. The largest budget line of any yeah. church is the facility. I it's spoke not the in the staff, it's not ministry, it's not outreach, it's not missions, it's building. Yeah, it's, I spoke. It's a, it's a static, inanimate object. Amen. I just want to throw this out there. I spoke in a church and it was not the highest ever. I'm just throwing kind of one towards the top. Okay. I spoke in a church that had a hundred and six thousand dollar a month note. A month. Yeah. That's the mortgage. Mm -hmm. A month. And it was in a depressed, depleted region of this country. Now, you cannot tell me that if your pastor and your staff and you're trying to pay your own bills, and you know what I'm saying? Then you begin to justify the end, which is make the mortgage. Yes. God's holy temple. Right. You're starting to theologically shift away from the very heart and essence of a decentralized kingdom. Because you was have re- to. It was re-centralized on the person of Jesus. Then when the Holy Spirit fell and fire fire remember the right, cloud right, right. it's on people's heads right that's you and me that's right. the temple it's that's to right. decentralize and then the temple was destroyed in 70 a.d by titus we have re-centralized worship back to the building that's right you you i'm not saying you couldn't have it as an expression but we have to be really careful that Bro. that's a monster that will start dominating our way of thinking, our way of believing, and our way of treating people, and our way of demanding giving. And we won't we won't trust the spirit to say, "Hey, this family feels led to give to this missionary this month." It's like, "Oh no, we're going to just call it out." You better right. be your own. You know, spirit-led giving is actually New Testament giving. It really is, but we've made it so tight. Why? Because we've got salaries. And we've got mortgages. So what do we do? So what do we do? I mean, because COVID, this is the future. This is the future of the church. And we know that his bride, he's coming back for a bride without spot, without wrinkles. That's going to happen. But at this point, how do we get, how do we get the spots and wrinkles out? We can't. Right. Yeah, I mean, we. I, I'll just say this, and I know I'm hitting on this hard, and if someone's listening and the Spirit's convicting you, it could create a feeling of despondency, but that's not the Holy Spirit. That's your flesh's reaction right. to Because we know what the end is. We know yeah. what the end is already. All yeah. we need to do, and listen, I think the only movement is this. Father, Father, and I just yes. feel this right now. Father, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to do and yeah. whatever you are saying, mm-hmm. I want that. Yeah. And God, whatever it ultimately might require of me, I know that you are more than enough to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to perpetuate the traditions that made me popular. That's right. Made me successful, made me known, or made me famous. 
I want you. Yeah. And yeah, I want yeah, you to yeah, be known. Yeah. And Lord, I just ask that you lead me. I don't know exactly what to do or where the road goes from here. But Father, you will do right by me and you will do right by all of us. Give me the grace to be obedient when I feel and hear the leading of your spirit. Yeah. And if it's to take down the tent, then take it down. Yeah. And if it's to raise it up because you're going to be here for a while, then raise it up in yeah. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Wow, that, man. That, we, Jesus lived that way. Yeah. That's how we live. Jesus, Jesus, who was fully man and fully God, yeah. who was perfect in ways that we can never be, yeah. lived that way. Yeah. I, 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 the last couple of times I preached, I made a point of, look, guys, if Jesus had an incredible private life of prayer, like what? What if if God, Jesus, fully God, fully man, had to have a, a constant? The Bible says repeatedly, all over the place, he would go away regularly to pray all day, all night to the Lord. Yeah. Then we should too. And what did Jesus say? He said, "I don't do anything unless except what I father, see my Father do. Has told that's me the cloud. Do anything that's unless the I hear my Father say it. That's right." That's a cloud heart. So if you've been hearing us say cloud, what Pastor Jesse just said is the exact same thing. He's like, if if the father says camp, I'm camping. All right. If the father says go, I'm going. I'm going. We've got to value that more than hierarchy, more than denomination. And Mm -hmm. please hear me because this is going to ruffle some feathers. We need to value that as a primary foundation of our so-called doctrine. That's right. We could even be misunderstanding doctrine or there could be some man-made stuff that still lingered in there. And if we don't let the foundation of what pastor Jesse just said in the cloud and that, then, then we will protect something. And that's, that's right. Puts us in a place of when Jesus comes and doesn't honor that part that we're protecting, we'd rather kill him than worship. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Which that's, it, it, it's repeating the same yes. cycle. And, and I love what you said. That altar will demand a sacrifice as well. well and it's always, it's always others. And the, the thing that I love about what Jesus said to the disciples right before he left, this is how the world is going to know. That you belong to me the way you love each other. Ultimately, I, I, I believe, and, and I, I believe you guys feel the same way, that we are not seeing the love that he talked about, that he showed, not that he just talked about, that he demonstrated, that he modeled. We're not seeing that among each other. And it's, it's for those reasons that you guys talked about. Because we'd rather, we'd rather pour cement <laughs> and put our feet right in it and not move when he says move, because this is what it's about. This is what it's always been about, or at least that's what we think. You know what I'm saying? Staying with our structure uh, metaphor that's working really well. And this can be physical structures building, but it can be a powerful metaphor for other established traditions. Traditions, right. When when we get and give into that, when we serve that, it begins to dominate the landscape and the decisions and the reason by which we do the things that we do. And it becomes, okay, what I'm getting at, where I'm going with this, is I see, my honest assessment, a lot of Christians who have a, a serpent in their ear. Yeah. And it's also on their news, okay? 
The serpent is dominating. There are yeah. five, do you realize, five mega corporations own over 98% of where you get your news. That's so crazy. Five. All right, five mega corporations own all news. There's a serpent in there. And now watch, watch what the serpent was telling Eve. You had life, mm -hmm. which was trust, and God will let you know what you need to know when you need to know it. That's a cloud type following relationship. Yeah. Then the tree of the knowledge of good and bad is modern day polarity of what is called good. Yeah. Defined by humans or groups or political Our standard. Parties. That's where we're in. We're in a tree of the knowledge of good and bad reality. And what disturbs me and pastor Jesse, you said it earlier, we are so untaught yeah. or mal taught that we can't even identify that we right. are just consuming the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so my last, my last point on this is we can't love like Tommy was calling us to love and identifying our need for love because we are so angry and we are so afraid. Why are we angry? Because someone's threatening our place. Yeah. Why are we afraid? Someone may take away what we've put our hands on or what right. we've established. That's but if right. you're, if you think like camping, you're, you're already dealing with your fear because you're on right. an adventure. Right. And you've already dealt with your, your anger right. because you're building up and tearing down in a rather regular rhythm. So you're not attached to this permanence that the enemy will use in a form of idolatry. So I'm just saying we can get back to loving when we quit um, being so attached to our superiority, our comfort, um, our tradition, our familiarity, our building. Yeah. Yeah. Or the way it's always been. Yeah. And let's get back. Let's look at the first church, those first 300 years. Yeah. And, and dare to believe that the Lord can restore that in his people. Isn't that I, part of the reason why? I mean, there wasn't a specific reason why Ananias and Sapphira were killed. Yeah. But come on, yeah. Looking at it, it was, I don't really care about what it is you want to do. I still want to preserve my thing in a time that the Holy spirit was moving people to self-sacrifice to, to live sacrificially, to love sacrificially, to build his kingdom, not their kingdom. And ultimately they were trying to save so that they can still do what they wanted to do when the Holy spirit was saying, mm -hmm. no, this is, this is the time. This is the thing that we're doing now. Um, mm -hmm. Speak to, cause I feel like it's the same thing happening. It's the same thing happening right now. Well, if you think about, I mean, such a moment in the early church where two individuals were slain by the Holy Spirit. Crazy. Now, what I would say to that is it's, and I, I don't have a ton of time on this, but I don't think this is just God with his hand going, die, die. Right. They chose right. to cling to an aspect and attitude and spiritual disposition within themselves mm -hmm. and masqueraded as God. And that inconsistency, it killed them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Meaning God is so holy that when you try to cling to a disposition that his holiness, if you're in his presence would drive out, it would just purify you. They yeah. wanted the appearance of being total Christ followers without the actual heart of being a total Christ exactly. follower. Yeah. 
I really yeah, wish people goes, were scared right now. I mean, yeah. we, uh, we, I was just discussing with somebody like, how do you explain the, uh, the, the slave girl, the prophetic slave girl, right? Who, who trailed the disciples for days. Declaring oh yeah. yeah. Seemingly in, in total right. support right. of the gospel that they were exactly who they said they were. And that they yeah. were sent by God. Seems like that's a great trumpeter to have. But Paul ended up getting tired of it and silencing her and casting out the spirit, not right. the Holy Spirit, a spirit who was still declaring these things that were true and beneficial to the gospel. And yet the motive for it was to, because what was happening was as Paul continued to do miracles, right. that was building the esteem of this slave girl and the spirit inside of it so they can make more money. Right. And so he finally shut it down. Why? It wasn't because what she was saying was wrong. It was because the motive was wrong. That's right. It goes all the way back circle to what we talked about right at the beginning. Is you can have right action, but if your heart is wrong, you're still wrong in front of God. I think right? it's it's all the way through. It's replete. Scripture, New Testament scripture, the letters, the, the accounts of all of that. The theme is the same. His glory, his kingdom. His glory, his kingdom, not ours. Amen. What he wants, what he's building, not what we're building and not what we want. And yeah. I, I, yeah. I, 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 it's, it saddens me. I almost cried when you were praying um, because I'm, I'm thinking about so many pastors, so many, so many uh, of our brothers and sisters that just won't, they won't get it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, Lord, break through, break through to them. Let me let me tell our let me tell our audience because I just feel the Holy Spirit and this will be very quick. We in the church bit into another fruit and, and what you just said, Tommy. We in Christianity started worshiping certainty. Oh man! In the wow. last century, okay. And so when you worship certainty, then you you begin to make concessions about it. Now, hear me. I believe there are things that we can be certain about, but. We should not worship certainty itself. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back to Pastor Jesse. You said it's faith. Are we people of faith or not? Now, again, that does not mean that you don't have certainties in your faith. For but sure. when we worship certainty, then we, over, over time, begin to create a system of certainty. Then we judge and evaluate people by their allegiance in certainty yeah. to that doctrine of certainty. Yeah. So then now the cloud wants to move and that creates uncertainty right. to a degree. But here's what you could be certain about. The cloud knows where the cloud's going. And my God is a follow good God. Him. That's right. And I know the first doctrine of all is I've got to follow the Holy Spirit, even That's if right. it wrecks my entire life. Come on. I've got to go Come with on. the Spirit. And Come and on. And the Lord's going to be good. See, mm-hmm. that's what I'm certain about, but I don't know. Why. That's Abraham. Right. Mr. 70 years old and he is rich and successful and he goes and dares to walk one night in the cool of the evening and all of a sudden the Lord says hey pack your family up and move to a land that you have no idea where it's at or what it is or who it is grab a but burrito <laughs> yeah, grab a burrito <laughs> and you know what Abram goes and talks to Abram talks to right. Sarai before they're Abraham and Sarah, yep, yep, and he yep. says, sweetie, I heard a voice. I believe it's the God of all gods, and he yeah. wants us to move. We out. They left the next day. Yeah. 
for, for, but there's a ton of uncertainty, but what the certainty is, is, and if I may say this, the church has focused on the wrong certainty. Right. And we have run from government uncertainty. Yeah. But that's what empire does. So when empire infects you, you start majoring on minors and then minoring on God's majors. And we get out of the value evaluation uh, alignment with God. And that the last are not first anymore. We want the first right. to be first. Right. Oh, man. Man, Jesse, are, have you uh, had the realization yet? What, uh, the realization that, that uh, Pastor Royce is my uh, balding brother? <laughs> I'm, your balding, I'm your balding younger brother. Uh, I had the realization, Jesse. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> This you know, is, you fit right in my family, too, because I'm the only one of my brothers who ain't both. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. I need, I, need some of your, I need some of your genetic code to bless me. <laughs> Man, my this... Mom, my mom's Italian genes, but yeah, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and I, I just think, I, I just keep, I can't help but keep coming back to the fact that I just think that that's what this whole year has been about. Yeah. Yes. Is, is God, he's shaking and he's quaking and he's breaking stuff down. Yeah. And he's like you said, Tommy, and it, it's not just, he's not throwing a petulant tantrum, 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 no. temper no. tantrum. It's he love. Is, he's reminding us, this is my kingdom yeah. and yes. it's for my glory yeah. and it's by my power. Yeah. And that's it. And it's like, I need y'all to wake up. Right. I need y'all to wake up. And I really, I really believe that, the churches that are going to find biblical spiritual success, right? Not the successes we've defined it in the past. And as we continue to sometimes define it, true success in the future are going to be the ones who find a new way. And and it's, and like you said, Pastor Royce, it's not really a new way. It's an old way. Probably forgotten. We're going to rediscover the way. This is the way. I love it. My favorite thing from the Mandalorian. This is the way. Oh, I love it. <laughs> reminding us, this is this the way. Is the way. That's and right. I think it's so beautiful. And I hope I have your permission to steal this whole thought because I love it. The the way is is like you said, that cloud mindset. Yeah. Yes. I go where God sends me. That's right. I only do what I see him do. And That's I right. only say what I hear him say. That's right. And I trust that is my certainty. I trust that's that he's going to take care of everything in between. That's right. Uh, that's that's going to be the church of the future. And I just think right. it's going to look so much different. I think it's going to get deconstructed. Mm. It's going to get decentralized. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to be talking about buildings and facilities and budgets anymore. It's and too I expensive. Think, it's a waste of resources. It's bro. Like, yeah, you, it is. You could be feeding hungry people instead of spending and dropping 12 to 20 million on a building. Yeah. It, it happened in COVID. I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't know if you experienced this, Pastor Royce, or how you guys have navigated the last uh, eight months or so. But, uh, you know, what I find, what I've seen in churches and, and, and leaders around me is that that decentralization already happened. Yeah. Because when you can't gather a mess of people all together in one place to hear from one person, every church realized, I need to empower my leaders. This is going to yeah. be about individual The good ones, the good ones realize that. Groups. This yeah. is going to be about, you know, 10 to 15 people on Zoom calls. None of that can be managed by a single. And so what's happened, and I think this is going to be the catalyst for why the church will never be able to be go, go back to being the same, is that now you have, you have triggered, you have triggered and released the gift that was lying dormant in so many That's pastors, right. pastors, evangelists, teachers, right. and apostles. 
who've just been sitting in church, never That's been right. given an opportunity. All That's of a right. sudden, they were called upon, yes. and the gift has awoken, That's and right. it will not be put back to sleep. That's right. And so when church tries to go back to normal, you're going to have a bunch of leaders who are going to be dissatisfied with their place in that hierarchy, and the church is going to continue to disseminate out into smaller groups because the reality is there's a whole lot more leaders called and gifted by God in the church than we have ever admitted or even. Yes, we were, we were supposed to be doing that from the beginning. Yes. If the, if the fivefold ministry was intact, like it was supposed to be, then we right. would have had saints already equipped to do this work of the ministry. Uh, instead of yeah. them realizing we have, in we COVID, have oh my gosh. Yes. We've trained and equipped the saints to serve the fivefold to serve To serve us. We have not. But what's happened now is that now we were forced to train and equip them for the ministry. That's right. We gotta get what, now they're going to want to go out and do ministry. That's right. And, and, and successful churches are going to be ones who empower that. And churches that fail in, in, in the next five to ten years where I think that this COVID has sparked a transition and a transformation in church are going to be the ones that fall apart. Absolutely. From a biblical standpoint, they may still have 50,000 people in a TV deal, but from that standpoint, they may still be family. The Lord spoke something to me, not, it's been several years ago, but there is a thing called structural momentum and there will have some momentum, but don't confuse that for the presence of the cloud. I mean, you you can have, and again, this isn't to critique and tear down. If the cloud, if the Holy Spirit's there, the early church, this is so important. The early church had such a reverence for the presence of God. Let me use this as an example. There was a huge debate in Acts 17. I mean, a gigantic, it's the first real controversy of the early church. It was these non-Jewish believers coming in in droves. Now, do we make them Jewish? Do they need to have dietary laws? What all do they need to observe? And now if you read it in the beginning of Acts 17, it says, they that were of the party of the Pharisees Mm -hmm. that were believers. Mm -hmm. So now you got Christian Pharisees who are calling out to the apostles, we need to talk. We need, we need our, you know, the word of God says, right? Right. So they were so hung up on that. Rules, rules. Right. Okay. So here's, here's my point. They bring Peter in and he retells Acts. Here it is. Yeah. And he says, listen, guys, I wasn't eating Hormel and Oscar Meyer. Mm -hmm. I I didn't have any bologna. I didn't have a, a non kosher hot dog. Right. So he'd been accused of that in Acts 11. All right, here's where it is. He tells his story, and then he he says, the same Holy Spirit that fell on us at the beginning, the same cloud that showed up when we all experienced it, showed up on these people. Now, get this. That was a big, I mean, emotional debate. We're talking about the potential of cultural genocide. Right. That the scariness of our Jewish way of life could be gone for right. if we don't protect this. That's right. There's a lot of emotion. That's right. Reading in Acts 17, if you're watching this and you think we're crazy, go read that. The whole place shut up immediately. We will not talk against the Holy Spirit. We will not debate against the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. We will not critique the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit was there, see, that's people who know how to put a tent up and drop a tent. Take it down. 
they, when 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 Peter dropped the bomb of the Holy Spirit, the same one. Yeah. And you look at that, they revered the presence of God. If anything has been lost, we have lost, and I'm talking in my opinion across North American Christianity, yeah. we've lost a reverence for the presence of God. Yeah. And in a reverence for the presence of God, I don't mean that to sound negative and dark. It's just like, Lord, whatever you want to do, wherever Absolutely. you want to go, whatever you yeah. want to say. And, and I translate it as a, an awareness of the presence that's already there. Yeah. We don't know that he's there leading us. Yeah. We're not, we're not aware of the fact that he's already there leading us. If we're right. his temples, that's then he obviously lives in us, but yes. we're not aware of his right. indwelling. We're just not tuned into his yeah, presence. We're not and that's tuned the thing in. We're systems and programs. And yeah. do you know that the early dramas in the early church were to recreate what no longer was happening in the spirit? I, I'm not. You didn't say that. You didn't just say that. I, I'm just saying I don't. I don't <laughs> mind drama. Right. I love stories, and I don't right. want to come. I'm not coming across like that kind of person. I'm just saying right. that some of that. Right. Could also still be from that original reason well, that it showed up is that we're reenacting miracles because we. Well, don't it has to be, that. it has to be. Yeah. Because how, how else will we get people if they don't think that the Holy Spirit is here? How else? Why would they come? So we got to conjure. Right. We got to yeah. summon up. Yeah. So we have yeah. to, I just believe we as Christians have to prayerfully yeah. open our heart and mind to how much drama are we trying to use to replace the fact that we've ignored the presence Oof. or the lack of presence? Goodness. We need presence, not yeah. production. And mm. I'm not anti-production, okay? I mean, I'm not anti-anti, like meaning like we don't need to have a plan or, right, or right. don't turn those lights on. I, I'm not, I don't mean it, but all that is. Wear a sweater. It's not that cold. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm just saying it's got to be presence first. Right. And then everything else that might, as a system, support what the cloud's doing right now Man. with training that this could go away tomorrow if the cloud moves. I've never heard that one time in any church teaching hard across my years of ministry. We te we always have this almost perverse idea of a legacy that if yeah. we build it, it's going to have to stand forever. Oh, my gosh. Until we build a better one. That's not uh. the word of God at all. Man, there's no, there's no always bad comes from that attitude. Never good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's part of the reason why, uh, and, and it was hard for me, right? Cause it's these, these Christian traditions. When we first got to uh, the church we're at right now, city view, um, we had to reprogram ourselves because our pastor doesn't call the, uh, you know, where we meet the sanctuary. Yeah. Because it's not right. Well, this isn't the not. temple. This isn't, this isn't even, this isn't even. I love the it. I love it. I love the it. Inside of us. Yeah. So we can't keep training people. And this is what's happened. I still slip up sometimes. I still call it sanctuary when I'm talking to people who are going to be like, oh, I don't know what the worship center is. It's like, but it's not like this. We don't, we don't have to go gather in a building to conjure up the presence of God. That's right. That's right. Or the Holy Spirit, because it lives inside of us. Yes. The reason it expresses itself sometimes in a more powerful way when we gather together is because we literally gather the presence, more of the presence and the spirit of God that's right. inside of each one of us together, yeah, in agreement and unity. It's not because it existed in that building. Right? Oh. It existed because we did a certain ritual. Tell Tommy and tell I have seen that all day. 
and you're exactly right. It happens one way, one time. And then we're like, well, we always want that result. And so then our intellectual minds get involved That's and right. we start to systematize and scientificize it and, and, and apply the uh, scientific method so that we can recreate those exact conditions. That's and, it. And, and all that is is putting God in a box. And he's like, oh, that's great, but I'm not doing that anymore. Man. I'm, I'm doing a new thing, and you're still trying to recreate the old thing. And at some right. point, it ceases to be God who's doing any of it. That fish it becomes exactly like you said, Pastor. It's an act. That fish ain't giving coins out anymore. So stop going to the edge of the lake. And, and what Jesse <laughs> just said, try that with your spouse your girlfriend, Sir. your boyfriend, your partner, Sir. go ahead and scientifically program or programatize that relationship to get what you want out of it. See and that happens. other person, if they don't catch it the first time that you do it with that motive, right. they'll catch it the second one because it's going to feel hollow. Yeah. Because yeah. we all have radars unless right. we are so emotionally unhealthy and right. we just need attention for some reason. We'll still know it, but we'll just tolerate it. Okay? Yeah. That doesn't work in a relationship. And what does that say? We treat God like a cosmic slot machine. What do I need to do to get, you know, the three cherries across the front, you know, to get the, the, to get the jackpot. He wants a relationship. And and again, it just, some of the ways we've approached these things uh, reveal the fact that we don't care. We don't love God. Oh, I think some people love the idea of oh! God. But they don't love the God supposedly of their yeah. idea. Yeah, and this yeah, totally. oh, this was this conversation is crazy. And we, Jesse and I, I, I think I mentioned this to you, um, Royce, that we were going to stop at episode fifty, um, sure. but because of the current climate, especially leading up to election, and how. Our brothers and sisters, um, when I say that, I'm talking about um, the body of Christ. Amen. How our brothers and sisters, our family, our extended family, a lot of them are tripping right now because of what is happening with um, the government, with the elections, with the candidates, um, with the political party that the church has been coerced into siding with um, and trusting in. And so we figured we needed to keep keep on going. And I just want to thank you for, for agreeing to come on and and share your heart, what God has been, what the Holy Spirit has been showing you and revealing to you. Yes, in the end, we win. The, church, the remnant, the remnant, the bride will be without spot and wrinkle. Amen. That is who he is calling. That is who will be called. That is who he is coming back for. There is a separation, a divide happening, a clear line being drawn. Um, and, uh, and thank you for helping us see some of those issues that are, that are dividing the Christians from the, from the Christ followers mm. and, um, and how you've been handling it on your end. Um, it's been awesome. It's been awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank Jesse, you, you got anything to say? No, no, man. It's just a great conversation. Like, I we could probably go on for hours and hours <laughs> just talking about, you know, yes. how we can revitalize the church. And, you know, and again, I, I appreciate, Pastor West, you frequently, probably, this is probably a practice that Tommy and I can, can learn learn from and, and glean from you of, uh, you know, consistently being sure to check uh, to clearly communicate what our heart is. And all of this. Very but, good at uh, that. He's very you know, good it, at that. In the midst of all that, like it can come across as complaining 
except for I think what what's important for the our listeners to know is that we're all about this. Yeah. Yes. Like we're we're not just getting together to complain about it and and uh, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, affirm each other's frustrations. Like we're we're in the midst of the work of of trying to make these changes. That's right. Of yeah. Making these shifts of bringing this revelation to the the greater church as a whole. Yeah. And and that starts with us living it out. That's right. Right. That starts with we better we got to live it before we can. We got to take the log out of our eye before we can deal with respecting our brother and sister. And so best believe that God, this comes out of a place where God has been dealing with us. Absolutely. It comes out of an overwhelming love and zeal and passion for the body of Christ. And and I believe that this mm. is where God is pushing us as evidenced by what we've seen um, recently, historically, but also especially just in this year. I feel like it was the trumpet call. God, I really need y'all. To wake up, I try right. to be subtle about it, but I need you guys to see this. And so, you know, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about what we want to see in the church, what we see in scripture, and um, and we're going to continue to do so. Season two will come, and I'm sure we'll have you back, Pastor. We're gonna have to have them back. We're gonna have to have them back. Hear, hear how, hear how Story Church is making that transition. And, yeah, um, certainly. But, but I think you touched on something earlier that I, I really want to end up on, and that is. We always have to remember, and I think there's a tendency for us to fail at this because, like I said before, so much of our Christianity has been couched around our own abilities um, in practice and in teaching um, in recent years that when we see the things that are wrong, it become overwhelming. But we always have to remember that this is all in the context of the overwhelming hope that we understand that none of this happens without the power of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't do that. Pastor Tommy can't do that. Pastor Royce can't do it. doesn't matter if we wrote a bestseller or got on TV. We're not the ones who can make the change. We can only look to see what God is doing yeah. and listen to hear what he's saying and then pray and do what he tells us to do. That's and right. pray that the church as a whole catches these things. Um, and it is God's power. And because it's God's power, I can have certainty. I can have certainty, like you said, Tommy. Love it. That it may be painful and it may take another millennia, but God will have his spotless bride. That's right. And the church will be what scripture calls us to That's be. That's right. And the body of Christ will be the dynamic, powerful, righteous force in the earth. Relevant. <laughs> I hope it's in my lifetime, but if it's not, I'm going to work for it every day of my life. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's about. That's why we talk about it. We are not grumblers and complainers. Uh, we are uh, irony, iron, iron sharpening iron and, and, and propelling each other. And hopefully you who are listening um, to a different standard and a new path, um, which is really an old path, the way. Right? <laughs> a new path, which the is way really old. Life. I love it. Like, we That's just right. want to be like Jesus. Pastor yeah, Royce. even hath ears to hear, let him hear, because this is what we're hearing and in grace, we offer it that if you can hear this, join in the work. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be connected to our personalities, but it's like join in the work of what yeah. it means to be renewed in the mindset of following Jesus, yeah. following yeah. the rabbi, you know, yeah. following the fire. Speaking of following, where can people go if they have any questions of you, if they want to see what Story Church is doing? How can people um, follow you? <laughs> in a sense did you get that or did i cut out you broke up just a little oh, okay so yeah, how, you cut out just a little bit um, 
How can people follow you if they want to find out any more information about you, about Story Church? Uh, if they want to know any more about uh, Story Church, it's my Story Church, mystorychurch.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I, I will respond on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I never uh, hardly use it. But <laughs> I probably shouldn't mention it then. But yeah, <laughs> Royce Wilson on uh, Facebook. And um, yeah, I can definitely be reached there and we can, you know, connect and go from there. Man, that's awesome. As you have heard and seen, he's a wealth of knowledge, wealth of wisdom. He's got an amazing story. Next time we have him on, we're going to get him to share his his actual testimony of how, how Jesus grabbed his heart and touched his life and, and brought him back from the death, from the yes. death traps of hell. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> that a real near death experience. Yeah. That story is, is great. And um, we'll definitely have you share that. Jesse, sure. how can people reach us, get in contact with us, send kind words, encouraging words. Yeah. Well, uh, Tommy's home address is no. <laughs> no, of course, uh, if you're hearing this, um, if you're watching this right now, then you probably already can find us on Facebook. But uh, if you're hearing this over podcast streaming, you can always find us on Facebook. It's the Faith Chair. I don't know if there's a- yeah, there is out there in terms of pages. It's the black and white image of a barber's chair with a cross in the background. That's us. You can always message us there, comment on the videos. Um, or the post every week of the latest podcast. You can also email us at faithchairpodcast at gmail.com, faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Again, feedback, constructive criticism, uh, uh, straight criticism, we don't care. Um, <laughs> if you have topics you guys want us to tackle in yeah. season two, uh, uh, issues, doctrine, theology, verses you don't understand, stuff you've been taught but never sat right, you got questions about what's going on in the world, whatever. Uh, that's what we're about, discussing the issues that arise at the intersection of culture and faith. Uh, that's where it's at. So uh, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll put that on the docket. Uh, we'd love to not just speak, you know, what's going on in our heads, but address some of the things that are going on in your heart. Absolutely. Your well, so. Absolutely. Guys, well, Facebook, folks, we love y'all. Jesse, Royce, love you guys. I can't wait for y'all to meet in person. For us to sit down, eat, and talk some more. Um, But until then, love y'all. Have a great weekend. Yes. Love you guys. Great meeting you, Jesse. And good to meet you, Tommy. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Yes. Please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to ask and answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. But until then, we'll see you guys next time here on The The Face Face Chair. Chair.